0: first Bible reading tonight is from Isaiah 40 and it can be found on page 700 and 714 of the church Bible. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, In the desert prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken.
1: I told them, He was coming, a voice, crying in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. And they listened. Let me tell you, they listened because they came out. They took that long journey out into the wilderness, not by the dozen or by hundreds. Thousands came, drawn to the wilderness. What were they looking for? Why did they go? Some, no doubt, only out of curiosity to see that wild man they'd heard about, dressed in rough clothes, with a strange diet. The fearless prophet who would take on the religious leaders and warn them of judgment. Others came tagged along with their friends, but most came because they were seeking something they were looking for something the truth hope that the world could not offer more than anything they came because they believed god's promised one the messiah was coming soon they wanted to get ready they had expectation and anticipation they wanted to respond to god's coming kingdom and respond they did i must have baptized Hundreds, And they were sincere and genuine. But did they understand what was happening? Did they know what all this was about? That, I can't tell you. Because the truth is, I'm not even sure I understand it myself anymore. Not after months, locked up in a cell in Herod's prison, This isn't how I imagined it would be. This isn't what I expected. Not after all those weeks and months in the wilderness, preparing the way, pointing them to the Messiah and to his coming. It wasn't what I expected. Don't get me wrong. I'd always said that when the Messiah came, he must become greater, and I would diminish, but surely not this. To be locked up, in a jail, forgotten, useless. I'm a man of action. I get out there and do things. It's hard to sit, to sit idly, mulling over things. And so questions come up in my mind and doubts begin to arise. There was a time when I had no doubt. When Jesus came into the wilderness and stood in front of me, I knew in my heart that he was the one for sure. And then he asked me to baptise him, the joy that gave me when I plunged him beneath the waters of the Jordan River and raised him up. And I said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It was him. That seems so long ago now. a reality that belongs somewhere in the past. Now... Now I'm just sitting here in the jail, trying to make sense of it. Was he truly the Messiah? Was he the one, or have I made some terrible mistake? The Messiah, the one that was going to come and set the prisoners free, and yet here I am festering in Herod's cell. The Messiah that was going to come and establish God's kingdom, And yet Herod still holds the rod of authority propped up by the mighty power of Rome, the Messiah that was going to come and bring life, life in all its fullness. And yet all I sense is dread and doom. It's hard when you're God's prophet to point the way and then lose your way. I'm ashamed and have a sense of guilt that I should even feel this. So I did the only thing that I knew I could do. I sent two loyal disciples to seek Jesus, to ask him directly, are you the one or should we expect another? They'll be back any day now, I'm certain. And I pray, oh, I pray that the message they bring will give me peace and restore my faith. Until then, the only company I have, strangely enough, is Herod himself seems to take some delight in coming to talk to me. That sly old fox, he's planning some great banquet for his birthday. All the officials will be there and his leaders. And I have a strange feeling that somehow I may end up being part of the entertainment of that day. Matthew
2: 11, 1 to 6. Jesus and John the Baptist. After Jesus had finished... Instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me.
3: John the Baptist was a man's man. It wasn't just the camel's hair or the diet of locusts and wild honey. He was a man of courage who called on everyone to repent. He even called on the leaders a brood of vipers, and the axe was at the root of the trees and would cut them down. Why was he so confident about this? For there was one who was coming after, who would burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He was a man of courage, not one to waver. He would stand firm in the faith. And so Jesus came, the dove came, the voice came saying this is my son and John knew without a doubt that this was the one. But now he's not so sure, verse 3, are you the one who is to come or should we expect Another. Notice, won't you, that John is still sure about one thing. He is still sure that there is one to come, that God's promises are true, that he is the messenger before the one to come. But he is not sure that Jesus is that one. Why? Why does this man of courage... I think there's a clue there in verse 2. The works that Christ was doing. We know, of course, what these works were. We've been looking at them over the last couple of chapters. Uh, He's been healing the sick and raising the dead and eating with sinners. They are extraordinary works and John has been hearing about them. But they are not what John expected. He didn't expect healings. He didn't expect someone eating with sinners. He expected someone to bring judgment, to destroy the sinners and bring in God's kingdom. His expectations were not met. And not just generally were his expectations not met in some abstract sense, his expectations are not being met for him, for it affects him personally. He was a man of courage, criticising everyone, including the king who had married his brother's wife. He told Herod, this is not right. Herod was not pleased and neither was his wife. And now, verse 2, John is in prison. While Jesus goes about in Galilee healing the sick, drawing a crowd, John is no longer at the Jordan River baptizing. He is across the Jordan. He is in a dungeon and he does not know what will become of him. If Jesus is the one, why is his messenger in jail? If Jesus is the one, why is the wicked king living in a palace? John's expectations are not met, and his own suffering causes him to waver, to doubt. And it's the same for us today, isn't it? If John the Baptist, the man of courage, God's messenger, can waver and doubt, then surely doubts are a normal part of the Christian life. They are, aren't they, if you'll admit it? And even the strongest person can waver. What causes us to waver? When Jesus does not meet our expectations when we think he promises one thing but delivers another, and when it affects us and those we care about. Your marriage falls apart and Jesus seems to do nothing. You are betrayed by a friend and Jesus does not intervene. You have chronic sickness and Jesus does not fix it. Or you live in a society which seemed to used to be Christianized but now turned against Jesus' people so that even when someone produces a simple video discussing a social social issue and it's somehow related to the Bible society, there is such a furor that it seems like the whole world goes berserk for a general discussion. And you tell me Jesus is in charge? Well, think about that Australian doctor for a moment in Burkina Faso. Do you remember? Over 12 months ago now, kidnapped. His wife was released, but he still languishes or is dead. These things cause you to doubt your expectations and your sufferings. And they cause you to ask, is Jesus really the one. Well, how does Jesus answer? What is the solution to our doubts? Verse 4. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Go and report what you hear and see. There's nothing new here to tell John. Verse 2, he's already heard what Christ was doing. But Jesus summarizes it to remind John of the promises, of the expectations of the Christ. Isaiah 35, Isaiah 61, the language is just like this. This is what the Christ was going to do, says Jesus. And here I am doing it. Showing what the kingdom of heaven will be like. No, I'm not burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Yet, those promises are right. They are there in Isaiah. But as the demons worked out, this is before the appointed time. Jesus has come early to show the kingdom, to show who he is, and to forgive sins. Sins. Hear and see what I am doing, says Jesus. And you will be reassured that I am the one who was to come. How shall we deal with our own doubts? You have them, don't you? Just like I do. How do you help others when they have doubts? Well, like John, we're to admit it. Where to raise our doubts? Where to bring them to Jesus? Does he have a solution for us? Does he have an answer? Yes. Hear and see the works of the Christ. Hear and see the things that I am doing, that I did, says Jesus. But I can't hear and see them, you say. If only I had been there, I wouldn't have doubts. Well, John couldn't hear them either. John couldn't see them either. He's stuck in jail. He's only got one way to get in touch with these things, the reports of others. Have you got that? Yes, for that is exactly what Matthew is giving us. What should we do when we have doubts? Bring them to Jesus. And Jesus says, here is the solution to your doubts about me. The works that I did, recorded for you here in the Gospels, I've even given four of them for you to reassure you. When we have doubts, we should come back and read the Gospels and see that Jesus is the one who was to come. Will you do that?
2: Matthew 11, 7 to 19. Yep. Okay. As, John, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? no. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come, he who has ears, let him hear. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions.
3: John the Baptist wavered. He doubted. But as his disciples are leaving from Jesus, do you see what a big rap Jesus gives him? Jesus says John was the greatest. What did you go out to see in the wilderness? A man easily swayed by others? No. Did you go out to see a fancy prince? living in a palace no you went out to see a prophet more than a prophet says Jesus verse 11 truly I tell you among those born of women there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist that's a big rap isn't it think about it for a moment that includes most people in fact Probably all of you here this evening. He's the greatest of them all. The greatest out of all those in human history. Alexander the Great. Julius Caesar. The great ones throughout the Bible. Abraham and Moses and Elijah and King David. Jesus says, forget all of those... John the Baptist was the greatest. Did he have great political power? No. Did he do extraordinary miracles? No. Did he build great monuments that are still here to this day? No, there's nothing but a dirty river that was there before he arrived anyway. There is nothing to show his greatness Why on earth does Jesus think that John was the greatest? Here's the paradox. John was the greatest because he came before someone greater. Do you see it there, verse 13? All the prophets and the law prophesied until John right throughout the Old Testament, that there was someone great coming. And the very last prophet, Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament, some 400 years before, said, I will, God said, I will send my messenger ahead of me, who will prepare my way before me. And verse 10, Jesus said, Jesus, John, is that messenger. Malachi said, God says, I will send the prophet Elijah again before the great day of the Lord. And verse 14, John is that Elijah. John was the greatest not because he's the most impressive, not because he had the biggest impact, not because he was the greatest preacher. John was the greatest because he was the last. It was his privilege to be the last prophet before someone greater. John was the greatest because he he came before someone greater. And so do you see here that Jesus in a sense is not really talking about John. John's the topic but the message is not really about John. Forget John he's sort of saying, do you see? There's someone greater than John and who is it? It's me. It couldn't be clearer, could it? John was great, and there's only one reason that he was great. He was pointing to me. John was the greatest because I am the greatest. Muhammad Ali, the great boxer, when he knocked someone out, they fell to the floor or whatever you do in boxing, he then put up his hand and said, I am the greatest. That was his slogan. He died recently, didn't he? A weak and shaken man. The weakest. But Jesus is saying here, I am the greatest. And John knew it. Do you remember? He said, I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. John was the greatest because Jesus is the greatest. Do you hear and see this Jesus really was the come really was the one to come they were not to expect another and we are not to expect another either Muhammad is not one after Jesus Joseph Smith with his funny glasses is not one after Jesus Jesus was the one to come he is the final one to come he is the great one So are you impressed by others? I know you're not impressed by religious leaders. You're not interested. But what about the celebrities that we follow so religiously? What about the rich and powerful ones of our world? The new devices that they create or the great power that they have to rule nations? What about the sporting stars that we follow? Some of us just think ourselves are great. And Jesus wants us to know that he is the greatest. And if you can hear and see this, then surely you long for him to be honoured as Lord and Saviour in your life and in every community. John was the greatest because Jesus is the greatest. And there's one final thing to see in this passage, which is terrifically encouraging. Have a look again at verse 11. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. There's no one amongst those born to women greater than John. And yet Jesus says, The very least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. How can that be? Well, John was great because he was the last prophet. He was the last prophet, the messenger before the great one before Jesus. So he was not in the kingdom of heaven. His message, do you remember? The kingdom of heaven is near, not here. And now it is here because the king has come, the great one. And so if you and I, if we trust in the one who has come, the one who was to come, if we trust him, then we know what John didn't know about the cross and the resurrection and how Jesus is coming again as judge. Not only do we know what John didn't know, we have what John didn't have. The new relationship with God that the Old Testament pointed to, a relationship without the law, but with the Holy Spirit giving us a new nature. John never had that. And even the least in the kingdom of heaven has that great privilege. What a privilege. In a month's time, my son Isaac and I are going to go and see where John ministered. The one place that Isaac wanted to go in all the world was to Israel. I said, if we're going to Israel, we're going to Jordan, which is next door where the forests are, and we can stay with them. And so in a month's time, that's where we'll be. Seeing Bethany beyond the Jordan where John the Baptist, beside some dirty river with nothing there, plunged people into the water a great privilege that is to be able to do that imagine the privilege of actually being there at the time of hearing and seeing john of even being baptized by him what a great privilege that would be and imagine not just hearing john or being baptized by John, but being John, the greatest among all those born of women. Well, can you hear and see a far greater privilege that every one of us who trusts in Jesus has? John was the greatest because Jesus is the greatest. And because Jesus is the greatest, then if we trust in him, then we are greater than John. We know and have this great relationship with God through him. Can you hear and see this? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you know our doubts. We thank you that you recorded here for us that John, even John, had doubts and that he did something about them. He brought them to Jesus and asked the question. And we thank you here that Jesus had an answer. So, Father, help us to come to Jesus when we have doubts and to hear and see the things that Jesus did, that he fulfilled the promises and expectations and is your king. And, Father, we thank you for this extraordinary privilege the privilege of being in the kingdom of heaven where we know more than John and we have more than John. For we have Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name.